0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nichol. As always, welcome back to the show. We got to apologize. We were off for two weeks and Josh, it was 100% my fault. I take full responsibility. You were on the ball. You were on top of things and I bailed twice. So two weeks, are you kidding me? I'm blowing it. But welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm excited to be back. We've got a great guest today, Nick Bianco. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. It's a nice sunny day in Edmonton, and we're, it seems like we're out of the winter now. We had a big snowfall this week, uh, but we're getting some warmth now. So that's good.
0: Yeah, I saw some photos of like the prairies having on like an Easter weekend without full snowblowers, like two feet of snow. Like, what a crazy Easter you guys were having, eh?
1: Yeah, that was a little nuts. Uh, it, it it's been a long winter. Let's just say <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes it has. And we're looking forward to the beach season, Josh. So let's get things rolling. I mean, th- some things are happening. We like to talk about them just to refresh because we can't take for granted that people have no idea what's going on in the be- volleyball world because it's not that easy to find information, Josh. So you know who I go to for all my volleyball results information? I go to Pass and Dimes Instagram to check out okay. the results. Okay. For what's going on. So, we've had some results. And Josh, you're going to have to explain to me what the hell's going on with this because for me and the viewer, and for Nick, we have no idea what's going on with this Norseca World Championship qualification thing. It happened. We did well, I think, but it's also
2: hard to tell what the hell's going on. Yeah, and even following Passing Dimes, uh, Garrett, I've learned that uh, if you make a mistake, you get more comments. So I've actually posted a couple things that were wrong just to get the comment section stacked. Stop so it. It was that, on
0: purpose. You did that no, on purpose. it was
2: not on purpose. I honestly thought, and I'm sorry, Megan Nicole, I thought Megan Nicole won. They actually finished second. They still get to go to World Championships, but I, I claim they won a gold medal. They won a silver medal against the Cuban women. But uh, quick story. So World Championships is 48 teams, Garrett. But out of those what? 48, <laughs> yeah, so 48 teams will go to Beach World Championships this year. But only the top 23 by world ranking get into the tournament based on your points. So that leaves a lot of spots available. So what they've done is through the continental zones, each continent gets to send four teams. So there's five continental zones. We belong to Norsica. The most famous would probably be CEV, which is Europe. They're the most well organized. Uh, Australia and Asia kind of make another zone. Uh, Africa is a zone, and then South America is a zone. So we when we talk on the show about Norseca, that's our continental zone, and it's North America, Central America. It's it's us, Cuba, Mexico, USA, Dominican, Puerto Rico. Like there, there's a bunch of countries in the okay, Let's just let that American breathe geography. for a second here. Let's just let yeah. that
0: breathe. Because that's that's a lot. Are heavy. we are you following Nick? I mean, you and I played in this. And we still, I mean, I'm still just trying to get my head around it.
1: Yeah, that, that's a lot of teams heading to World Championship. I didn't know that there's that many.
0: So so we have, there's five regions, each get four
2: teams. This math is killing me, Josh. So basically half of Worlds will be continental representation, and then the 20 other th- 23 teams through World Rankings. And then you say, well, what are those other spots for? They're they're for the host country, and then they're for what? Like three wild cards, just to top it up to get 48.
0: Who gets a wild card into the world frickin' championships? What an
2: absolute joke that is. I'm thinking this year it'll be somebody who just like inched out of the top twenty three who's like an Olympian. So maybe like Evandro will get to go, or somebody who's not like crushing it right now, like maybe for promotion or for to sell some tickets. I don't know. Okay. Well, I support anyways. that actually. Anyways, maybe Nikolai <laughs> and his new young partner, because it's in Italy this year. But anyway, so we're we're fighting for Norsica. So then like this is where it becomes, like, teams within teams. So Canada, we had to get a nomination for a team to send to Norseca, But Garrett and Nick, we don't we don't just nominate a team. I just like go pick who I want. So we played for it. I mean, I support you before. picking who you want, by the way. but uh, That's okay. Maybe someday. But we play for it. So we had a mini tournament. And Sam and Dan did very well. They won that tournament against uh, Ben and Grant were there. Jake and Alex Russell. Uh, Liam and Yvonne Recca played. So Sam and Dan win that tournament. They then have to go to a norsica that was hosted in the Dominican. And they had to then play against... Uh, Oh, gosh, who was in our pool? U.S. Virgin Islands. Remember, uh, I was going to say Pepe was in the other pool. Garrett, if you ever played in Norseka, you played against Pepe. Uh, Anyways, so so Central America countries. Nicaragua was very strong in our pool. So, anyways, they had to go to that, and they won. So now they get to go to World Championships after winning the Canada Trial, winning the Norseka Trial. They are confirmed to go to World Championships this year. Okay, so we did it. We're in. We did it. We did it.
0: After all that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had to beat teams who are not that good to get into the world championships
2: well I think like Trinidad Tobago credit to Sam and Dan who took care of business like I think one of the sets was single digit scared. I think they like nine them in one set
0: okay but what about the U.S. like are they not do we not need to compete against them to get in
2: see this is where if you're still with us and you're paying attention thank you so so I, much I'm but not that, I'm
0: in tough <laughs> I, I can tell Nick's glazing over a little bit there too Josh can you spice it up for us <laughs>
2: <laughs> Norsika had four bids, right? You would think, oh, host one tournament and send everyone who makes semis or higher. No, it's not that simple, Garrett. They divided the tournament into two locations, uh, two mini tournaments of six, and originally they had proposed that you would just do pool play and whoever the top two were get out. No, no, they went two pools of three, like you're playing like a youth tournament on the Kids Beach or Ice uh, Springs Bay. Two pools of three, one got a bye. Two plays, three in like a crossover to then play the semis to then go to the finals. So if you made the finals of your pod of six, you, you got to go to world championships, but you played for it because there was more world tour points on the line. So uh, Sam and Dan winning, they actually actually improved their world ranking because there was more points on the line.
0: Okay. So <laughs> there's four spots and Norsica decides we got four spots. Let's do two tournaments. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's got to be an obvious clown of the week move right there. I mean, not, no no deliberation needed. I mean, what the heck are we thinking? But I got to say, that advantaged us.
2: Our pool was definitely weaker because the the Americans had to play against Mexico. They had to play against Cuba. They had to play against Guatemala. Like, there, there's some, it felt like most of the good Norsika countries were on that side. We had to play Nicaragua in the final.
0: And on the women's side, Megan and Nicole McNamara also qualified by finishing second.
2: They get the spot as well. Yes, and they they played a Cuban team who was good. So their their pool was pretty tough. But yeah, they they lost to Cuba, who's a, a world tour team. So okay. both of those teams get to go to world champs. Okay, so now here's the real question:
0: Do our viewers and Nick understand what the hell just happened? I'm maybe at sixty percent. Yeah, I'm I'm right. I'm right there, yeah. Okay. So Josh, we got to work on our explanations here to make it a bit more bite-sized so we can really explain to people.
2: I don't know how to, to make people.
0: this any more simple. Though. No, well, how how do we make it more simple so we can tell people what the hell we do? Like you you go, "Hey, I'm the I'm the coach of the national team." "Oh yeah, you know what's the system?" How's it? and it's like you got need 10 minutes to explain to somebody and even then they won't get it.
2: I everyone needs a whiteboard if they need an explanation. I feel like I should be like writing this somewhere that they could see. Like, this, without visual aids, I can't explain this, Garrett. This is a
0: joke. <laughs> An absolute joke. So, moving on, Josh, because you know what? It's hard to be that excited because we still don't really know what the hell happened, but something good happened for Canada. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Celebrate. Okay. Moving on. We also had some other results. So, there was the Itapima, it, 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 Itapima? It, it, Itapima?
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: Itapima, Brazil tournament. It uh, was the challenger. So, again, Nick, welcome to the show. There's the three levels of tournaments, futures, (laughs) challengers, elites. Why we did this, I don't know. What what an absolute joke our sport is right now, Josh. That's another point. Anyway, Sophie Bukovic and Brandy Wilkerson, the new team, got a fifth there, which, I mean, good for them because they failed to qualify. I think in one of the tournaments, we're struggling. There were some questions like, what are they doing? Go get a fifth.
2: Like, well done. Props to them. And if they do well in Doha, they actually have a shot at a 23 ranking it's a small chance but they have a chance to go to worlds as well i mean let's go then i mean (laughs) let's stack that world championships and get some teams
0: i mean 48 teams or whatever i mean there's got to be room for at least three or four from canada um also on the same weekend was the futures tournament which is again a strange strategic move like no you can't play in both you got to pick one and go to it so if you're in the qualifier
2: in the challenger but the main draw in the future which one do you go to this one you had to decide well in advance because we're talking Iptapima, Brazil, or or I forget the city in Thailand. Songla, Thailand. So, yeah. yeah, they're pretty far away.
0: <laughs> um, and we had a few good results. I mean, Harnett and Dorman, uh, Amanda Harnett and Lena Dorman came third. Got a bronze medal at that tournament. I mean, well done. The other results, <clears throat> not so great. Friends of the show, Jake Ox Russell with a 17th, and Watani Dunn on the women's side with the 17th. So, I mean, that's the results for Canada from the weekend. I mean, i I'm, ha- I'm way more happy than the first time we talked about results, Josh.
2: Yeah, and did we miss when we were recording? We were, we kind of messed up the schedule there. Jake and Russ, they, they finished second in Australia here, I don't think we got to talk about that on the show.
0: We maybe did or maybe didn't. I watched that game, so I, maybe I did it to talk about it, or maybe I just did it because I felt like it. Nick, here's the real question. Do you know anybody we just mentioned?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs>
0: Okay, don't elaborate because it could just be one person. <laughs> the answer is still yes. You know, we don't need to out how little we know yes. each other here. Um, yes. Okay. So congrats to the Canadians for the results there. What the heck are we doing? Norseka with that. Um, the other bit of news that I just wanted to mention is uh, one of our top guys on the Canadian national team retired. So Graham Vigris, uh, announced announces retirement from the national team. I mean, congrats, Graham love to watch you play a guy who a middle player when we watched him at university, used to stay through the back row and hit sea balls and pipes and stuff. I loved that, so it, that earned a, I earned a lot of respect for that guy. I mean, Nick, you probably played against him a little bit more than I did. Um, that guy was a force, eh?
1: Yeah, he was. He was awesome. He was awesome at university. Had an awesome national team career, pro career. Uh, yeah, he's he's a sweet model player.
0: Well, congrats to Graham. Um, seems like he's going to be able to spend more time with his kid, who is very cute. So, congrats, Graham. Okay. Moving on to everybody's favorite segment of the show. Now we covered the news, are we a news show, Josh, or are we not? I mean, you decide. Comment down below. Do you care? Um, We're going to move on to everybody's favorite segment. And I think this week, Josh, we've genuinely surprised a guest with this segment. So with no notice, Nick has got to come up with a player of the week and clown of the week. Now, should we be upset that he hasn't listened to the show before and scouted out what was coming, Josh?
2: (laughs) I don't know if we genuinely surprise him because... Pierce and Nolan picked the same guy for both Garrett. If that's not a hint that they weren't prepared at all and they just picked one for both. Like that that to me is a little suspect.
0: Yeah, like they the one guy picked one and the other guy was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll just pick that too." So should we make Nick go first so he doesn't just copy us and pick the same thing? <laughs> I
2: don't want him to copy us and I don't want his player to also be the clown of the week like Pierce did because he picked Max Elgar and then he said, oh, but because he blew the celly because he couldn't open the champagne bottle, he was also the clown. Like He he had one player for both categories. But
0: we want to give Nick some time here. So should we make him write it down on a piece of paper, his picks, <laughs> so and sure then while we not. go, show it up at the end to prove that... No, we'll, give, <laughs> we'll just give Nick some time. If Nick wants to copy, he can take the ridicule from the dozens... Of fans yes. in the comments below. So we'll see how that goes. So I'm ready, Josh. And I think I'm gonna start off with my player of the week this week because I, I need to I need to share some inside. You know, we got a lot of production that goes into this sharp cuts. So there's a lot of work that goes in booking guests, the social media posts, editing and stuff. And the unsung hero really of all this is Josh Nickel. And so Josh, you are my player of the week and for a few specific reasons. I missed the last two weeks. Because of scheduling and my stuff, and Josh had guests booked for both of those weeks, and had to cancel because of me. <laughs> so Josh, you were prepared, you were ready to go, and checking out the Pass and Dimes uh, at Pass and Dimes on Instagram, you should check it out. Uh, follow if you don't. Looking at these posts, Josh, they are sweet. Like these. The graphics that you have for the results, bite size. I don't need to read the caption. I know what happened. I'm I'm right on. If you look at Volleyball Canada's posts, I mean, there's some good photos, but you got to read through it all in the text. Like, who does that? Show me the pictures. Let's go. And your graphics are on point. Also, I don't know how you do it, but those little sound clips of our show, love that. Like, I end up watching those and listening because I'm interested in what we talked about. So, <laughs> my player of the
2: week, Josh Nickel. Congrats, buddy. Well, I'm glad somebody's clicking on those. Sometimes, Garrett, someone will claim to that they watch the show and I'll, like, press them on some questions. And I don't, they just listen to the soundbite, which is fine. But it's not the same as downloading the full episode. Like. No, it, it absolutely happens. Like, hey, yo, I love your
0: show. Oh, yeah, you, you watch, like, you watch on YouTube or you listen. Oh, no, I, on Instagram. Mm, yeah, <laughs> do you watch the show really, though? No, I'd rather somebody just say no. So congrats on Player of the Week, Josh. Keep it up. I'd love to see more of those posts because it might help our numbers out actually. So could you if you could just get on that,
2: that would be they need to be a little bit more relevant. I think I'm about two weeks behind. As you can see, the last post I think was Sarah Pavin's episode and that was that was some time ago. Yeah. So get on it. And also get on your player of the week. I'm going to put some more pressure on Nick. I'm going to go second. And this one circles back to a guy we've already talked about on the show. So now he can't double back on this. I actually wrote down in my notes here, I wanted Graham Bygress to be the player of the week because Garrett, you mentioned what he did in university and he's a national champion. I was looking up his career. Like he was winning best blocker at VNL. So when you're winning your position awards, like I'm, I'm writing down like Graham Bygrass name was next to like Agapeth, Wallace, Matt Anderson, Mika Christensen, Max Holt. Like he was in that class of a player. So I know like in Canada, we, we love him here. But if anyone's listening from outside of Canada and you go, oh you guys are homers like cheering for by in his career no like at the peak of his career he was a guy so i think we're gonna miss him i think he advanced the middle position in canada a lot like when i was younger murray grappa was a great player and then we had you know duff and and a few other guys come and Mac, but like Vigress was an offensive threat. He could serve the ball really well. Like he was a guy who I think made it cool to play middle, hopefully for some young guys that can still watch his clips and do stuff like that. So uh, I think uh, it's a little bit uh, too much that we've already talked about him on the show that I'm doubling up that he's my player of the week, but doing some research for the show, Graham was was the man for a lot of years there. Yeah, I mean, we are homers, Josh. Absolutely. Let's not hide that. But yeah, absolutely great. I mean,
0: well-deserved player of the week. I mean, player of the last few years in the middle position really as well for Canada. Uh, I'd love to see some clips. I'm going to look up some clips of him hitting sea balls and back row stuff because I think that's something we got to do more as Canadians is like, you got a big middle who can hit. You don't have a right side who can do that? Keep your middle in the back row. Have him them hit back row. Like, why we got to do this positional thing just because we're supposed to? Nah. Let's do what's going to help us win. So, I mean, great. Yeah. I mean, we we touched on that already in the show, Josh, so maybe you weren't prepared or we can can we prove it? I don't know. <laughs> but okay. So, Nick, pressure's on. No preparedness. Not ready at all. Didn't even know what who's your player of the week?
1: Uh, player team, Mac McNamara. Uh, for making the world championship. I know where I discussed this, and this is because I wasn't
2: prepared. So I'm going to use that to <laughs> Well, hey, Josh did the same it. thing, so we still
0: don't know about him.
2: <laughs> He's learning on the fly here. This is good. He's fitting in really well to the show so far. <laughs>
0: so why the McNamara's and not Dan and Sam,
1: Nick?
2: Well, you said one.
1: You said one like, player, so I'm like, okay, I'll expand a player to a team, and that'll be one. So,
0: well, I mean, they... I will say we talked about this a little bit last week when they were like they qualified for one of the uh, world tour events and were getting some results. It was like, you know, out in Ontario, they were the one of the teams who from BC who just didn't really come over and really, give a crap about what we're doing over at the the center like the center of the world there in toronto all those west coast people think we're full of ourselves we are um but they didn't come they didn't do that they were doing their own thing now they're going to the world championships they're getting their own results and stuff like that so like i mean mad amount of respect for that absolutely i mean you 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 were kind of the same thing i mean you were in that same vein with them i mean you obviously have some inside info on them
1: yeah yeah we uh yeah, we're part of the same beach volleyball club. Uh, I was one of the coaches on the women's side of the club for a while when they were like 14, 15. So a long time ago. Now now they're a little bit different of athletes now. But yeah, they're always, they're always cool athletes. They're always fun to watch. They're always exciting. They're always, I, I feel like they're always at the the more exciting part of the end of the spectrum of beach volleyball. Like they're trying new things. They're, yeah, they're fun to watch.
0: Yeah, so that, that's actually a great point, and I'm actually on board with that. If a team is fun to watch, we should be pushing them to the moon, giving them everything they need because, yeah, that's more important. Our sport is boring. But we'll talk about that in a sec. So moving on, I mean, hey. Great players of the week, guys. I mean, well done. We mentioned them already on the show, but Nick, I mean, way to mine a content from the show and then just regurgitate I mean, it's a smart move. Josh does it all the time. Um, okay, moving on to everybody's favorite segment of the week. You haven't done a post on this in a while, Josh, is clowns of the week. Um, and that one got some traction. Are you getting some heat from that?
2: Uh, I don't think I took any personal heat, but we did get a lot of comments. Some people were attacking the show in general, which is like my baby, and I took offense where I don't, I don't like putting people on blast, but... Uh, I will say this, anyone who's against Clown of the Week, Garrett, it got more likes and shares than Player of the Week. So I feel like the volleyball community, every once in a while, just likes to like get on each other and really stir the pot more than we like to celebrate successes in it, it. It's fun. It's just, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't feel that comfortable calling people out, I'll be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I know. And that's why it's my favorite segment, because I love to make you do it. Um,
2: <laughs> and,
0: and, I, and I love to make guests who have no idea what's coming to do it. Because it's true, we do love to chirp each other behind our back. But hey, let's stand up and call each other out for some dumb stuff. But normally we don't we don't do it that well. So who wants to start? You want me to go again? Because I'm ready to go. You you go ahead. Mine's not that great. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm the kind of guy where just little little stupid things annoy the hell out of me. Like just piss me off to no end. So I've been on this like vein of when I. You know, throughout the week, I like to try to keep up on volleyball and watch some games. If there's anything interesting happening. And the volleyball world YouTube TV strategy just it, it is just confusing me to no end. So my clown of the week is volleyball world, volleyball world. or beach or volleyball beach. world. It's, it's hard to say. I don't know which is which. They have two different YouTube channels. So you, you got to go to one or the other. But then when you go to look up games... You can see full matches for all the future events. But for challengers, they have only like these 10-minute highlight clips, which we could argue about which is better. Would you rather watch a full match or a 10-minute summary of the game with all the highlights? I think as a casual fan, I would want the highlights. Right. (laughs) So you're, you're putting the games, you're making people pay for full matches of the challenger and elites. On the volleyball world TV but you're gonna put together the ten minute more digestible highlight clips of the best things from those same games and on your YouTube channel for free so you know I I I have no idea what the strategy there is like as a fan now there's no pressure on me if I want to see that I don't have to subscribe I'll just go watch these ten-minute things and I definitely did and they were great so I just don't get the whole thing, Josh. I'm still pissed off about it. I'm still bitter you told everybody, hey, spend your money and go on that Volleyball World TV thing because I'm out here trying to get things for free. Money's tight these days.
2: Yeah, I fell for that with the old okay, switcheroo, that's... but mine was a positive thing where somebody said they were watching Jake and Russ play in Australia. I was like, what? Like, I didn't I didn't see it on the Volleyball World stream. They're like, no, it's just on YouTube. Just click on YouTube. And I was like, what? These matches are given away for free? I was so excited when I heard that.
0: You were excited? But you were the guy who wants to pay for it, and you but have I, the thing. i was
2: excited that I could watch yeah, that... Jake and Russ. It was my point. Not that, like, where oh. it was. but I... Okay. <laughs> that, that sounds like a player of the week kind of thing, though, honestly.
1: That sounds like a huge win where we're able to watch these things for free, we have the the best bits bits of the game. Like, is that not a player of the week?
0: I mean, if you're on my side, I'm definitely happy to (laughs) retcon that. Because if I got some ammunition on my side, we can just dummy Josh here. Because absolutely, free is better, Josh. (laughs) I got Nick (laughs) on my side. But like, you don't get that. So they don't spend the time on the highlight clips for the Futures games. They just put the whole thing up there. But then they spend the time on the highlight clips for the Challengers. I think it's like quarters onwards or something like the really the marquee games and it's almost better than watching the full game so what are is we doing here
2: camera at the back or are they making like their own like edits and the cameras closer to the court is it just the coach view camera
0: yeah it's a bit of both it's both hard to say
2: okay because there was camera at the back I bet you they just have an intern going through volumetrics, saying okay that was a big block or that was a big kill like it doesn't seem like that time consuming if that's what they're doing speaking
0: of interns if anybody's out there looking to intern with (laughs) sharp cuts I mean we're open for that kind of stuff um yeah it's just the side or end camera but on the the challengers and above they have an actual presentation like they have like multi-camera systems and so they have
2: a lot more ammunition to work with there but yeah I mean those are great like why would I watch the full game Volleyball's boring yeah, if you want to intern for, like, a big company where you're just going to be, like, packing boxes and being in the mailroom, like with Nike, just so you can say you worked for Nike, if you work as the intern for Sharp Cuts, you're going to be running the whole organization by your third week. Hey, what, like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, final of the Week, over to you, Josh. Uh, mine, I'm going to add to the confusion of Norseka, Garrett, because you mentioned where were the Americans during our pool. So the Americans were in another pool with Cuba, Mexico, uh, Guatemala, all that stuff. And everything that could go wrong did go wrong, Garrett. So Taylor Crabb went on one of the best volleyball Instagram rants I've read in a long time. And he used photos and video evidence. So if you're our listeners right now, if you want to go to Taylor Crab's Instagram, you can look through this. He has an awesome rant about... Everything that you guys have experienced at an Orsica, he definitely did. So there's no food at the venue. So, like, he's he's living off Orioles and an apple for the day because there's no food there to eat that they're supposed to provide. Uh, The sand was not sand, Garrett. He's got a picture of a a Guatemalan athlete, I think there. Or no, maybe this is Pepe. Anyways, an athlete running and diving for a ball, and he slides like he's playing indoor. He slides on his belly because that's how hard it is. the, uh, one of the female athletes dislocated her knee. Nick is somebody who's involved in sports. Like, can you picture somebody how hard the sand has to be to dislocate your knee as you're diving on this thing? And then the worst one, Garrett, is they were coinciding running a three-on-three tournament at the same time, which delayed the men's draw, and then a thunderstorm canceled the tournament. So there you are as an athlete. You're trying to qualify for world championships, the mecca of our sport, in a non-Olympic year. He's supposed to play his semifinal. They do the old switcheroo. They switched the draw last minute. He's not supposed to... He doesn't know who he's playing, because they switched it last minute. Oh, and then, by the way, weather delay, we're canceling the tournament. The tournament you were just playing in the Dominican will happen next Saturday in Mexico. Surprise. Yikes. What? (laughs) Like, is this a professional sport?
0: (laughs) Is this episode turning into us just saying, yeah,
2: don't watch volleyball because we have no idea what we're doing at all? What? Well, then people start commenting their worst Norsika stories, and some of them are absolutely hilarious, where uh, one of the Americans, Travis Mayweather, he's explaining that they're up like 13-11 in a third set. Or excuse me, it must have been 14-11 because they switch sides. But the scorekeepers don't switch the score. So, Nick, you just went up from being like up 14-11 to down 14-11. The old switcheroo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My God. That's a tough three-point change. Are you absolutely imagine kidding? arguing
2: for that? I'd be like, what? Are we watching the same game? I was just up four <laughs> one.
0: Uh, like, I, I'm, I'm still, di- I'm still digesting this, as maybe some of our viewers are, because like, wait, what? No, you have to go and check out Taylor Crabs' uh, Instagram, uh, T Crabs. You got to look at it because he, he really c- captures it. Text like evidence, and then the comments are just. Lit like doing the good work for the people out there like what an absolute joke and for the world cha- for a world championship birth like you 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 win that you get to go to the world championships so I mean it's worth it it's not like you can just get go ah forget it I'll just deal with this later like we like we normally do like you have a bad Norseka experience like you just go home like you just deal with it but this is like no you you, you want that world championship spot because it's a big deal <laughs> so like we can have athletes go from that to our world championships which is like the most money the most the glitz the glam like the full spread like everything
2: what are we doing guys i just i, I don't understand why it's that hard to run a beach volleyball tournament like like a climber is a million times more organized than this and he does it as a volunteer <laughs>
0: like... well a million is a bit of a stretch okay josh like <laughs> a, a million i mean they don't have two venues so i mean that's at least yeah several hundred times better <laughs> <laughs> um, okay Nick I mean I don't know how I mean that's a huge clown of the week I mean we absolutely deserve that Josh thank you but I don't one know how we're going to top that ever. Nick so you've had some time to think about it who are you going to call out
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to call it myself oh <laughs> it come on awful one sec I'll tell you why uh, one of those awful listeners who listens to the sound bites on Instagram but hasn't actually watched the full show yet so what that's my bad that's you <laughs> i'm one of those people
0: <laughs> oh my god well hey you follow passing and dimes though yes at least you're not one of those who doesn't follow and just sees it happening and goes oh yeah i like listen lurks. Lurks. I mean? yeah listen to that it out every once this self call out for a thing that we said we hated on the show nick why did we <laughs> get this guy josh
2: i I, i'm only gonna hold up the clown of the week if garrett when we post this episode if he doesn't subscribe if he becomes a guest who doesn't subscribe on youtube then for sure (laughs) confirm clown of the week but right now now he's on the fence for me
0: that is the two cardinal sins of sharp cuts (laughs) is to listen listen to the instagram posts and tell us that you like the show you don't and not subscribe on youtube after we have you on as a guest there's still a few out there, Josh, and I'm I'm hunting. I'm looking for them. I should make a hit list, and like we should put it on Instagram and be like, these people were on the show and didn't subscribe. We must have been a terrible, terrible
2: show. I called out Sophie Bukovic as a Clown of the Week, and I got in trouble for it. Apparently, she does subscribe, Gary. you got to give me the right intel if we're going to blast these people.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll print the list, Josh. I mean, it's not that many people, so it's not like we have that many names to go through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that's the Clowns of the Week. Um, so just to summarize, Volleyball World, Norsika and Nick Del Bianco are the clowns of the week. I mean, Nick, you're in good company in the clowns of the week this week, uh, yeah, getting called out. out there, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> moving on, because that's a lot of mess. What a, just a bunch of crap we just shoveled for the first half of this show, Josh. Like, my goodness. Let's maybe actually try to get to some intelligent stuff here. And so when in prefacing the guest, Josh says, hey, I got this guest. Here's, you know, their thing. Here's what they do. Here's what they talk about. Josh said, I'm going to quote you, Josh, because I feel like, sorry to just put you on blast here. This is what you said. Arm swing and shoulder injury prevention. That's kind of his thing now. So, I mean, maybe Nick, if you let Josh know if that's not a good summary and he needs to figure, figure it out. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, I'm just just stirring the pot. But you're going to have, you got a lot of ground to cover with me to to convince me of this stuff, Nick, because I'm the biggest skeptic, I think, of any of this technical technique, this and that, this and the whole thing. So I'm I'm curious, and let's get into it. What, is, what does Josh mean by this is your thing now? And, and should Josh get better with his descriptions?
2: How come you're asking him what I think? <laughs> That's putting him on the tough spot right away here. No,
0: I'm saying <laughs> what does Josh mean by this is your thing? Because he knows what his thing is now. Apparently, Josh may or may not. We'll see if you're right.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a big part of what 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 uh, I do and what my company does. Oh, it's uh, only it's not with. the whole thing. It's a, it's a big part. It's a big part. I'll give you that. Um, it's what we've kind of been talking about online uh, the most recently. Um, so yeah, I, I would say pretty good, pretty good. to hear so far.
0: So Josh is kind of with it, so but it's not the whole thing. So tell us what what are you doing? Josh said earlier that you did some stuff in Ontario, like you're traveling, doing this stuff. Like people are are interested in shoulder technique and injury prevention.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually it's it's one of the things that we do that is probably the most interesting, I would say, uh, for young volleyball athletes. Um, it's a combination. So what we do is we work with volleyball athletes to. Uh, get them playing like performing at a higher level uh, while staying healthy and resilient to injuries along the way. Um, We see those two things as going hand in hand, like high performance being healthy. Um, When you just have high performance, but you aren't healthy, you fall off the the track, you injured. you sideline, you're no no longer playing. So you're not getting better at volleyball if you're not playing volleyball. Um, So what we've been doing recently is we traveled across Canada, a few different locations, Um, and ran some arm swing camps. So we call it the Arm Swing Evolution Camp. Um, And what we're doing is we're teaching or opening young athletes' minds up to the possibility of hitting, serving harder, while at the same time protecting your shoulder, protecting your low back. Um, We see the shoulder and the low back be two of the most common injuries in volleyball, and we see them as very closely related to the arm swing. Um, Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So I can really get on board with the injury, injury prevention stuff. Like people who like you, people complain about their shoulder stuff all the time. And I never got it. I was lucky, very lucky until recently when I'm playing tennis, I tweaked my shoulder. But uh, <laughs> when I was playing, I, you know, never really dealt with that myself. So super lucky. So I don't know what that's like, but people are always complaining about their shoulder. Oh, I got, yeah, I'm out. I got a minute You a time. It's like. Gosh, yeah, like deal with that. So it sounds like there there is a lot of opportunity for that. But I guess it's interesting that you guys put together the high performance with the injury prevention and that there's not any way that those things would ever be unrelated.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I feel like that's one of our most important like foundations as a, as a company is we, we, don't, we don't see these things as separate. Um, if you want to be the best, You also have to be healthy enough to be the best. You have to play volleyball, and if you're sidelined with a shoulder, low back, knee pain, or if you just even if you're not sidelined by it, but you have shoulder pain and you're just like kind of struggling playing through it, you're not playing at your like at your best. You're not playing at your highest potential. So if we can work on both those things at once, which we can, uh, we can. We believe that we can get athletes to play for a long time at a very high level or at their highest level.
0: You know, Josh, this is one of these situations where one of our guests comes in and just really throws stuff at us from a really altruistic perspective. Like there's a halo above Nick's head right now. And it's like, how how do you listen to that and and really tear apart any of it? Like he wants people to be playing volleyball more to get better, to stop them from getting injured. Like it's really it's really kind of sweet of you. And I and I, I find myself getting disgusted by it for an unknown reason. What does that say about me?
2: Well, I think you—you uh, you, maybe you were under the impression that I was underselling him when I messaged you to say... You were he was, big like, time. He, he's big into athlete performance. It's like if somebody were to describe sharp cuts and they just say, oh, they talk about the volleyball news. That's not everything we do, Garrett. You're going to laugh, you're going yeah, to are going to yell. Yeah, at but you got it, system. you know? But like yeah, you, Okay, maybe you got it. Where I, I undersold him big time here, but I think this is super interesting stuff, Garrett, and I think it's stuff that doesn't get touched on a lot at the youth level. Like This is pretty specialized stuff, so I think you could coach club, you can coach high school, and you could do the technical tactical, but I think there's definitely a need for this because it gets into injury prevention, it gets to strength, and it gets to stuff that you don't really spend, like if you have two hours of practice, Garrett, I'm not sure how much you're spending on prehab or rehab stuff, so I think there's definitely like a need for this to keep athletes playing longer because like I think back to my younger days when I started coaching club, if an athlete had a shoulder injury, I think the instinct was always to send them somewhere else. I don't think many youth coaches can fix this on their own. Is that is that fair to say, Nick, in your experience, that you're kind of aiding existing coaches to try to keep the athlete in the gym with them as well?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say uh, we, we also work with coaches and, like, as we're running these clinics, we we bring coaches in for a workshop because, ultimately, like, these these camps are planting seeds. And we're planting seeds in these athletes so that, like, they can go away. They can use it. You, they can try out some new things in their practice. Like, when they're away from us is when the real changing really starts to happen. Um, but yeah, we work with coaches so that we can equip them with some of the knowledge and tools where they can do a certain like a couple things or a couple priorities in their warm-up or a couple priorities in their attacking when they actually get into attacking drills that will actually help out the shoulders and keep athletes uh yeah, on the court playing volleyball. And it's not to say that, okay, now a coach is becoming a physiotherapist, that's just a whole different realm. Um, but it is allowing coaches to do some things preventatively so that they can yeah have their athletes playing volleyball because that's what every coach wants is their athletes to play volleyball, especially when it matters the most, like at the end of the season. And typically that's when we get a lot of injuries is because we've just had this really long season and we're doing a lot of wear and tear doing the same motions over and over again. And then by the end, our bodies just can't handle anymore where that's the most important time to be healthy. So if we can get athletes, Shoulders, backs, healthy, hitting harder, and then still having that at the end of the season—that's a huge one for us.
0: So, what sort of stuff is that, though? So, like, what does that look like? Because you know, adding a few things into the warm-up and stuff like that—I mean, that is all. I found it to be like gold when I was playing and for myself. Like, if I could really not change much in my warm-up, I'm just do a few things differently, and then do a few things differently in the in the drills or a few things differently in my cooldown, or in my workouts or whatever. I didn't have to change that much and it could make a big difference. That was like an easy win. Right. But how does that actually happen in practice? Because I doubt that it's that easy for everybody.
1: Yeah. And I think kind of what you just described there was like, we don't want to just add here, like here's these 50 things to do. And when you do these 50 things, you're going to be awesome. You're going to hit the ball harder. Maybe. But there is another two hours of practice on top of your only two hours of practice. So we recognize that athletes and coaches, they have other skills, they have other things that they need to be prioritized at the same time. So it can be as simple, Garrett, as like we talk to athletes about playing pepper. When they're playing pepper, let's develop a good arm swing as we're playing pepper. Let's change the mindset of what we're trying to accomplish with, with pepper and actually use it as an arm swing technique training time. And we can actually it's, we all play it. Uh, whether we like it, whether like pepper or not like most teams will end up playing pepper at some point in their warm up let's say so if we can actually develop some good patterns there and then we can transfer those good patterns as we're uh, going up going the rest of the way to practice we can start to see some cool changes happen so it can be as simple as a mindset like just changing that with what you're already doing it can be for some people they need more range of motion or mobility so like doing knowing what you need to do for yourself. Uh, So like, let's say I need more thoracic rotation. So I need to be able to rotate my spine better um, because we love rotational attacking patterns. Um, And so maybe I just do one or two quick drills on my own after I have my shoes, help me rotate better. And then I use my mindset and pepper to use that rotation as I'm playing. And then slowly eventually that becomes uh, easier and easier to unlock as you're jumping and attacking in a game. Um so it's a bunch of different areas and it's kinda of just depends on the happy and what their what their limitation or what their weaknesses.
0: See, I started this episode determined to disagree with you and fight you at every step of the way, but you've now yeah, you've called out <laughs> another thing that I hate is the lazy ass pepper is when these guys get in there and they're just doing the you know just fooling around know, like so, so absolutely, yeah. Like Uh, You're winning me over and I don't like it that much because it's changing my game plan and don't (laughs) fist bump over there, Josh. Don't look so smug. Okay. Now I was going to take it in a slightly different direction, Josh, but I see like you're just trying to get in, but Nick and I are drowning you out. Are you trying to jump in here?
2: Well, I do have one question for Nick, how he does defend against the pessimists. Say Garrett is coaching a club team and an athlete goes to you. Why him, me? Nick. What do we, I, I just, after and, I finish, okay, you know what, yeah, yeah, no, continue. Is such a complex movement, Nick, that like, uh, let's say from baseline motor learning, it would probably take eight to 12 weeks for an athlete to really acquire the skill to do it well. But if they've been doing it wrong, now we're adding times because we're trying to break a habit. So what do you do to like someone who says, you know, Garrett sends little Johnny from his club team there and after two weeks he sees no improvement. Like, how do you guys keep the pathway going or saying it's going to work because like i said the arm swing is one thing that it can look good in your gym but as soon as he goes back to like his high school team maybe he's doing something else or the old habit just dies hard and he doesn't actually make the changes
1: yeah that's a great question and like that is one of the biggest barriers that we come across with arm swing. Is like it's such a it's such a complicated dynamic powerful skill um and to change some to change an old habit no matter what the old habit was it's going to be hard And now to change the old habit and have it be a super complicated dynamic skill, that's a harder thing. Um, So what we talk about a lot with, with athletes and with coaches is when do we want to be, when do we want to see this success? Like when do we want to see some change? And it's kind of the answer. There is no one right answer. It's like, we want to see some change right away, which for most athletes we see a little bit of change right away. And then we want to see change. As we're de- developing in our career, we don't need to be uh, hitting the ball at our hardest when we're fifteen, but we do want to be hitting the ball at our hardest when we're in our twenties. So we need to develop these patterns now, because if you want to take your game to the next level, get into college, get into university, go to national team, go pro—all those different cool pathways—we um, need to like you, your your chances of doing that go way up if you have a cool arm swing, if you hit the ball hard, and if you're on the court because you're healthy. So it's it's a bit of like, yes, we we want to see some immediate change. And I think we do see some immediate change. And then just the the mindset, the growth mindset, like it it doesn't just have to happen right now, but we need to be preparing this athlete for the rest of their career, not just for winning. the.
0: See, Josh, I see where you're trying to take it with that question. And I don't like it. That is my biggest gripe, because when Nick talks about injury prevention, I mean, how can anybody not want that? Right. Unless you're the player behind the players ahead of you, want them to be injured. So you get more time. Um, But really, nobody except that person should ever even get anywhere near wanting people to be injured and having shoulder issues. So, like, if you can change a few things, change this and that to stop yourself from getting injured. Great. So change. Yeah, it takes a while, whatever. Get the pathways, all that. But there's a subset. And this is maybe coming from my my beach mind. Cause I think a lot of this in the club system and stuff is indoor focus. Cause that's where you have a coach. You have these formalized practices and stuff like that. So from my beach mind, I always think about the guys who I played against and girls who I saw who don't have, they, they clearly have terrible arm swings, right? But they're never injured. They never have shoulder issues. Um, and I always saw and talked about with my teammates about, how that is sometimes a competitive advantage is when you can see somebody with an unorthodox way of attacking uh, or serving that really adds to their game and makes it difficult to read or difficult to play against. And if that player doesn't have shoulder injuries, right? Like if the player has shoulder injuries, they're out. It's hurting them regardless. So are they going to like take that, their bad arm swing and get a few more kills, but be out for two months because their shoulder? No, probably not. I wouldn't make that, but I always wonder like changing people's technique for the, chain, for the sake of changing people's technique, always rubbed me the wrong way because I played against so many players So I was like, damn, I have no idea where they're hitting the ball because they're just flailing their arm about. They don't know. Maybe they don't even know where it's going, but it's still tough to defend against. I'm curious if that plays in or if it's more, hey, let's help these people do this and stay and stop and not be injured or do we actually need to change some things in their arm swing?
1: Yeah, that's another great point too. And I think... Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. So in our view, like, actually, Garrett, let me put this back on you first. Like, what is it about your arm swings that you would say are unorthodox? Like, what were they? Well, kind of I think it's easier
0: it? to say, like, what a true arm swing looks like. You know, you got the high elbow, the follow through, the snap through, right? I always found, like, people with those arm swings, they could hit it potentially harder. But you always had a little bit more idea where it was going. Um, so, like, Brouwer and are a great example, the two beach guys. One guy has a perfect arm swing, and the other guy is a little bit wild and and
2: flaily. Um, I find if they load upwards before they go, Nick, I find, like, that's not, like, an optimal movement, but some, you see that arm swing a little bit, maybe more in the middle position, I think, sometimes, where, like, yeah, I think the guy who looks like the AVP logo, like Garrett Sane, and they open, and they come through, and they snap, like, that's... Maybe, like, is there an optimal arm swing, Nick? Or, like, because my body type's different than Garrett's and then Martin Reader's going to have a different body type, like, is there stuff we can all have? Or does each person kind of have their own unique style based on, like, their skill set and their athletic ability?
1: Yeah, totally. So I think we've we kind we broken down, like, there's a bunch of different commonalities between what the best attackers in the world... Not only best attackers, but, like, the ones who hit the ball hard and and they're healthy. Um, so those are, like, to us, those are the best attackers. Um... So there's a bunch of commonalities there. We can kind of broke it down into three main uh, three main things to look for. Uh, first one is a rotation dominant. So like you said, with we'll that high elbow pullback and kind of leading back, that's an extension and flexion pattern of the sparring. Or like we like in volleyball, it's like a pike, a pike hitter. Like if you're like piking a tar on your hit. Um, we don't love that pattern. Um, and we can talk about why in a second, but like we love more of the rotational base patterns. Um, one is rotation, uh, looseness, so like even Jared, like every time I say like that crazy uh, loose arm, that's actually pretty cool. Um, for us. Like the, the ones who hit the ball the hardest actually have a super loose like hand uh, as they're drawing back and the whole time they're coming through and they don't. So looseness um, in all different aspects of the arm swing is huge for us, rotation loop, and then. Uh, alluded to like okay like that high elbow pullback is something that we we don't love again we didn't get into that we we really like the low elbow Um, it helps us rotate more so if one of our keys is rotation we need to do things that help us rotate more Um, yeah we are test yeah there you go and then it keeps our shoulder in a healthier position so when we pull back super high like if you just lift your arm up right now, at listeners or whoever is there, like it's a little bit tiring. So it puts a shoulder in like a, a more compromised position. Uh, versus if we're lower, it's a, the shoulder can be more relaxed in this position. It's a little bit more stable. It's a little bit more range of motion from there. Um, you get to do cooler things. So we we love rotation. We love losing something.
0: Okay, so you love, love that favorite. stuff, which is great.
1: And then within that, there's tons of ver- variety. So we, we show, uh, when we're doing these camps, we show athletes on the in the middle, on the opposite, on the left side, uh, male, female, and they all do these three things, but they all, different body types, different athleticism, they all look slightly different. Um, and that's perfectly okay. And like you said, Gary, like that's an advantage. Like you can look different, you can do things slightly different, but if you're following those three things, typically you're gonna hit the ball, like you're gonna hit the ball as hard as you potentially can and you're going to be a little bit healthier. Um, Now, it's not to say, so Garrett, you also said, like, when we see people with unorthodox patterns, but they are healthy, um, often that has to do, uh, I've been learning a little bit about this from, uh, like, my group in this kind of movement volleyball world, uh, Austin Einhorn down in the States. Um, he, He calls it a movement bank. So as you're young, as you're, uh, like a kid playing, uh, if you're doing tons of throwing, tons of jumping, tons of running, playing soccer, playing baseball, playing volleyball, playing tons of sports, you have this huge movement bank created. And we can do that might not be ideal. Like there might not be a rotational based attacker and we can get away with it and get away with it. For a certain amount of time, like you're every time that you do this movement, you're, you're a little bit out of the bank, and your bank account only has a limited amount of funds. So, you might see someone do that for the whole career and be okay. You might see someone do that for and like be like 21 and already you know, surgery, so shoulder surgery uh, and on what their bank is. Um, so, we still like to. I mean, we probably need to rotate a little bit more if we're one of those pikers because we know that those athletes are healthier. We, we, they're, they're, it's easier on the body. It's easier from like a it's easier from attack tissue, And we know that the body loves rotation. Uh, really quickly rotation. That's why every sport, so Gary said he played tennis this past week. That's why in every sport that's overhead, tennis, and baseball, volleyball, it looks very similar in that overhead position. All these things that we just talked about, loose, low drawback, and uh, rotation, they go from every overhead floor.
0: Okay, so I'm digesting. I also, we need to give a Clown of the Week to Nick again, not just for uh, not watching the show, but also for that spotty internet and mic connection, Nick. What the heck is going on oh, in no. Edmonton there? The snow must be really coming down. It's scratchy. The The AirPods are great, but do they make for good mics? I don't know. I caught most of what you were saying, though. <laughs> and yeah. so I guess what you're saying is like if an athlete, while they're young, develops a huge movement bank and they got a lot of this kind of equity in their body and then they have an unorthodox or kind of poor shoulder technique, but they never run out of their kind of uh, equity or in their bank or whatever, then they'll be OK potentially for their whole career, which. Um, so I I guess then the question is, and this is what I always hated because coaches love to coach, they love to get in there. I'm sure there's a coach or two out there who hear you saying this stuff. Oh, yeah, low shoulder, you know, like the loose. Okay, great. Like I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna make sure every every player on my team, we're gonna go through shoulder technique and get really into it. Josh, I bet is one of those guys. You see you nodding, like, yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> I hate that so much. Right? So I, I fully I would be like, Yeah, like if this kid's hurting himself. You got to change because you're gonna hurt your. You're hurting your shoulder. But if this kid's gonna be okay, then I don't want to waste time on that. So is that something that like you go through and judge? Like you got to make a call on, or is it kind of like no? We should really be looking for best practices and
2: moving towards these things for everybody, no matter where they're at. Yeah, like Gary, you've mentioned injury a couple times here. Sorry to cut you off, Nick. Is injury the only barrier? Because Nick's talking about a lot like hitting the ball as hard as you can, as long as you can, like still progressing where, uh, I don't know, I don't feel like injury is the only barrier of, of some of the stuff he's doing here. We're talking like optimal performance here. Well, oh yeah, but we,
0: indoors, it's super important for a lot of players, most positions, to hit it as hard as they can. Outsides, middle, uh, maybe, maybe not, right? Like if a middle hits at 90% of what they're capable of, but they're fat, like does that matter? In the beach, it matters a lot less, I found, is that like the difference, if you hit it a little bit, softer but you're picking the right spots. You're hard to read cuz your arm swing like is that taking away from your performance? Maybe not. That's where I'm coming from.
1: Hmm. So, coming back, what was the question then?
0: Yeah, like are are, are you forcing? Are you looking at everybody and going, "Yeah, everybody's really got to change and move in this direction?" Like that coach who gets super excited when he hears you talking about that? Or are you kind of like, "You know what? If this person is going to be okay, then let's not Let's not take these 12 weeks. Let's not spend this time. Let's let them go. They'll be okay. They're going to have an orthodox, whatever. They'll be all right, though. Like, are you making that judgment? Or are you just saying, nah, everybody really should be doing this?
1: Yeah, I would lean towards everyone should be moving towards these patterns. Um, yeah, I would say, because we don't know. We don't know every, their whole history growing up. We don't know right. what's actually in their bank. Uh, we don't know how much equity they have. So we, I'd I really like to see... Athletes to become really good movers before everything else. Like that's a foundation. So in the arm swing, those three things that we just talked about from the technique standpoint, uh, I would classify them as a really good arm, like mover through the arm swing. And when we're a really good mover, we we limit our or we like we re- reduce the risk of these shoulders of these low backs coming up. And whenever we can do that, I'm like, let's let's try that out, and let's see how it goes. Let's let's experiment with it a little bit. And yeah, let's see what other results happen because also like Josh said, like usually these patterns do help you hit the ball harder. And I, I think, yeah, beaches indoor for sure. Like if you hit the ball hard, that's beneficial. I still think beach, if you hit the ball hard, is beneficial. You, you're right. Like you have to be more precise, more accurate, you, you have different, like a lot of different variety, but like, honestly look at the indoor game too. Like it, they have a ton of variety in their in the game now there's so many different shots there's so many different things you do with the ball from an attacking standpoint but like the foundation that all these international national team guys have they hit the ball really hard and then they they use these other off speeds uh, to, to change things up and to get people off balance and to create some good opportunity um and i i'd say the same thing kind of happens on the beach like we need to hit the ball hard and we need to have all these other shots that we can keep people off balance and be able to hit the ball hard and score them.
0: So let's humor the coach who's just salivating here, and and if you're if if you're listening and it's you, you know it's you. Like you you know who I'm talking to, and you're Josh's best friend. Um, so let's humor those coaches here. So let's just recover these three things. So there's three principles: it low show, low elbow, loose hand, drawback,
2: not necessarily elbow, low drawback,
0: low drawback, low drawback. loose hand. Yeah. And what was the third?
1: Looseness. Looseness. I say looseness. So not just loose hand, but okay. like. Okay. Even in their approach, like, we we want their arms, like, swinging behind them, like, at their head or higher. Like, we don't want these, like, bent arm, rigid approaches. It's just looseness throughout the arm swing. Um, and then the rotation. So rotation. we want it to be rotation. Okay.
0: So rotation, so- I think, is pretty concrete. You look at rotation. Mm-hmm. you Okay. Yeah, rotating or, or you know, whatever. The uh, low drawback, also pretty, right? Like, you can see that. But the, the looseness, that that's a bit... All, like how it's a bit of obj- you know how do you really evaluate looseness because you know would you describe yeah. josh as a loose guy or an uptight guy <laughs>
2: do you want me to take some videos of me playing pepper we can comment we can rebuild like- my yeah. arm swing i think that would be helpful for we me can the there. I, n- nobody but, wants that oh, I think but, like okay. looseness <laughs>
1: looseness to see looseness you, you often just see that uh, no rigidity so you see the opposite not happening so when you see rigidity, when you see like bent arms in the approach, when you see like a high pullback or like an arch position, um, when you see the, the follow through just comes like and stop, like their, their arm stops halfway through or they stop up top, like those are all rigid, uh, rigid things in the arm swing. So if, we, if we're not seeing those things, we're likely right. seeing looseness. So, so that's kind of the... Looseness
0: is, a, is an absolute lack of rigidity yes. Okay. So does this apply into everyday life as well as where my mind's going? And Josh, if you're listening to this <laughs> advice, you know, looseness is a lack of rigidity. So, I mean, maybe we, okay. Yep. Yeah. So that's, so I, I, it's funny, Nick, because when I think about your arm swing back when we played, um, I feel like you had some rigidity in your arm swing. Like it was pretty, or am I way off on that?
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that's one person's view. I would say it was, uh, <laughs> I was. I was rotational. I had a little drawback, and then this is where the subjectiveness can come in. Of like, you can watch and see, like, was it loose? Was it rigid? I would say it was more towards loose, um, and I would say you could see that just based off the follow through. So if you're following through and like your hand, like you'll see guys in a spin server and like their arm spins around, and they're like, "What the heck's happening?" It's just their their arm is loose they're hitting it like that or their arms or they follow through and they like slap themselves on the side or on the hip like okay. that's a loose arm swing so yeah I would say, i'd say i'd say i hit all three decently uh but yeah
0: and how's your shoulder
1: pretty good pretty good throughout my career um yeah so like this this and like that's pretty good um but then there's points where like it wasn't i was running some shoulder pain i was running to some other things and that's where the arm swing and how we change the arm swing isn't just about technique. So all we've really talked about so far was technique and then a little bit of mindset of like, okay, when you're playing pepper, let's work on these things. Let's right. have some intention. Um, but the arm swing can be trained and developed in the, in like the weight room, just like the, just like, if you want to jump higher, you're not just going to jump more, but you probably load up a similar type pattern, um, like with a squatter with a deadlift and then try and jump higher from there. So in when I I would say when my arm got sore, my shoulder got sore. in My career, I was doing more rigid, linear-based training, uh, more like let's say like traditional strength and conditioning work. Um, and I was getting more rigid in the gym, and then trying to be loose on the court. And that just wasn't that doesn't really go very well. It doesn't really uh, cross each other's paths right. very well. Right. So there's there's these two other things at at the camps where try to work on, try to, uh, again, plant seeds in. And that's, we need range of motion or mobility. So we need the body to be able to like, to rotate, let's say, because we need to rotate our techniques. So we need to rotate just normally. And then we don't just need to rotate and be like really bendy and like a yogi, but we need to have control over every bit of our rotation so that we can then translate that into this dynamic powerful pattern in the air. So one, my shoulder was getting sore. I just wasn't, I, I was losing some mobility. I was losing some rotational control and I was becoming more rigid in, from the gym. Right. So,
0: I mean, if, if Nick Del Bianco, after explaining all this to me, walks into my gym and says, Hey Garrett, let's, you know, try to work on some things to improve your shoulder uh, technique and stability for the long term," And you lay it out like that. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not shutting it down like you, you've 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 explained it in a, in a way that I think is really palatable for old school guys like me. Now, I say I'm not one of the most old school guys, but I, I say that. And I so as I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I have nothing to tear apart and that's probably good because it is your job, your company. So, I mean, I'd be a real <laughs> a real dick move if I were to really jump in and start critiquing what you're doing. Uh, I do do that with Josh, though. So, I mean, that's never going to stop, Josh.
2: Garrett, if you had to think about it, what did your dad describe to your arm swing as somebody who probably coached you the most? Because I I thought it was fascinating learning about motor learning that external focus can be key. So when Garrett was learning how to hand set, Nick, his dad just told him, set the ball with no spin, Garrett. And that was enough feedback for him to, like, feel it out where he wasn't like a super technical, this is where your left foot goes, this is it. So learning how to set was very external and very, like, ball performance and focus. When you guys were talking arm swing, what was something that either, like, John May or Marquise would draw to you because – not to pump your tires, but you're 18 your year. You were super busy. You were playing club on like the best club team in the province. You were training beach on the side to go to world championships. Like the volume you put on yourself as an 18 year guy, I think he won off. So. like you had a ton of volume and you didn't break down. So you must've had a pretty healthy arm swing to handle the load you were under.
0: Yeah. I think I got lucky. Like, um, again, because genetically my dad had a perfect arm swing, like full extension, like never, you know, then just him and Reed, my brother just had weak shoulder, like just bad shoulder stuff. Yet I got the same arm swing technique, but just much stronger shoulders from my mom. So I, uh you know, like he, he always, he, he, we never needed to deal with it that much, but it was always reach high, swing hard, hit it deep. Um And that was instilled from pretty young age. And I, I think, and one of my pet peeves is when you watch teams do like that meter ball warm up or like they do a lot of like. Just bouncing the ball, hitting it like straight down. Um, that's where a lot of people get into, or I, and I've seen people get into the shoulder injuries. And the same thing happened with my brother. Like they did meter all warm up. Used to as a libero coming and just feast straight down. And that's all he ever did. When like I could, I'm not capable. Like at my peak, I couldn't really bounce it because I just didn't have the practice of like getting up and doing one of these or what, you know whatever you got to do to pound it down. I was hitting it deep, just like further down, because that's all I'd ever done when I was short and all I could do. So when I grew and got bigger, that was like all I had. Right. So I guess maybe similar, but yeah, we, we never really dealt with it that much. And that's why I say I'm an old school guy. Cause my dad, who was my coach for many years, never like addressed anybody's technique. Never was like, Hey, change this with your shoulder. Or let's work on this. It was, we never even touched it. So that's kind of part of my hesitancy for all this stuff.
1: Yeah. But it doesn't sound like we're, we're too dissimilar from that approach that you dad was taking though. And in, in the same way of like, it's not like we're like, all right, like change this angle right here, how you're pulling back. Like there, there's room there. There's, uh, there's external cues. Like uh, one of the, one of the cool ones or one of the ones where you like, I think I got this from Brock Davidek from U of a. Um, We were talking about Armistead one time and he, we were like, okay, like, is it different for a middle or an outside hitter? Um, are those three principles like the rotation, loose, and low drawback and also no. If you want a middle to hit hard and to be healthy, those things all still apply. Um, but he had a really good uh, analogy, like, yeah. uh, of uh, middle attacker is an infielder in baseball, uh, outside attacker is an outfielder. So the middle's short a little bit shorter throw, like if you're throwing from second base to first base, you don't like gonna have this huge wind up to throw. Uh, it's shorter, it's quicker, it's faster outfielders throwing home plate you're gonna have a little bit longer uh a little bit longer window with the ball so yeah like there, there's lots of cool variations and variety and it's not like we're looking at like the specific angles or anything or like the really fine technique or anything it's just like let's be looser and like let's like learn rotation so like you have the young 14 u camp like we have them like kicking soccer balls throwing frisbees throwing footballs uh Throw, like throwing things like a discus or whatever, like just that so we can learn rotation in general and then allowing them to use that in the arm swing and like just be loose with it and everything else like that. So it's not that we're like talking to athletes and like angles and everything else. It's, it's more, let's learn these patterns and then let's learn, let's give them some like external focus, external cue, like spin the ball to the back. Like is a, a lot for some people just to have a follow through or let's land with your feet the other way. And then that adds a ton of rotation to some, some athletes attacking because they're actually getting the hips going through and their feet land other way, so they're rotating through the ball. Um so things like that, I would say. So it, there's some there's some commonalities there. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um so we need to get this message. It, it seems like a healthy a healthy message out to the volleyball community at large, because I, I would say that you get probably a lot more people on the extremes of the either end of this thing than than is we probably should have in our sport, especially at the young ages, right? Because club is such a key time for that. Because you said if you get to university, like it's almost yeah. kind of too late for that. Almost like you you're so established in what you've been doing for so many years, and you maybe already have injuries, right? That you got to kind of recover and get better at. So because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, in our experience in the volleyball world, we have have people who. Don't think about this stuff at all. Don't worry about the health and kind of development of young kid athletes. They're just trying to do volleyball stuff. And don't worry about this movement things, especially for like 12, 13-year-olds. Or we get the other end, which is like the volleyball snob like Josh, who want to just change everything about your technique and because that to them is coaching. So we've got like – it seems like, Nick, and I'm, I'm very thankful uh, that your message seems to be in a really healthy place where it's like, hey – we got to get better at this stuff. We, you know, we want to do well. You want to play longer. You got to do these things. But also, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Like, let's not. We're not. We're not picking apart everybody at the same time. So I'm. I'm fully on board at this point. I can't believe I'm saying that, Josh. But Nick has fully convinced me. <laughs> I, and you need. I need some material. I need to do some stuff myself because my shoulder is not good right now because I've done nothing. <laughs> Are you surprised, yeah. Josh? I think you're shocked.
2: I'm. I'm glad you finally come to this this side. I'm. What do you, I'm No, no. Best, did you not hear what I just said? <laughs> I'm not happy that I'm on the other side where, like, I'm labeled as somebody who my way is the only way, and we have to change every athlete to look like a Josh Nickel robot because my way is the best way. I don't think that's how. I. I, I didn't do say it. that either. I
0: didn't say that you either. You
2: implied it. You implied it that that is what coaching is—is is me saying this is what an arm swing looks like. we absolutely. Work really no, hard you hard are like that. like that. You. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good. It's good, Garrett, to see you like, be open to learning and have this conversation. It helps that you and Nick played beach together, that you're at least you know willing to listen, where maybe it was somebody else in this community, and they came on. You'd be like, no, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, where you guys have shared the corporate together, so I think there was some respect there to set the table for the discussion today.
0: Absolutely, and he also articulated his points in an intelligent way, which we respect on this show. We don't always follow, because the IQ is not always the highest, but... I mean, it was digestible. Nick, like, a good performance. I mean, this is the show, man. Like, what did you think?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, yeah, and I'm actually going to just, get the, the shoulder thing that you're feeling right now, can I give you, like, one thing that, like, if you just did this, it would probably, you probably just could be able to go play tennis all the time.
0: Yeah, no, I need that. So, if it, yeah, is it free, yeah. though? Because we don't have the budget
1: for you, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> go rock climbing or bouldering or go to a playground and swing on the bars or hang from the bars and just do it back.
0: Okay. So hold on though. You're suggesting that I go to the playground with the kids and swing on the monkey bars. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm telling yeah. my fiance. I'm yeah. going to tell her. Yeah. No, Hey, Nick told me I should be doing this. And if anybody yeah. asks and says, Hey, why is that grown ass man on the monkey bars? I'm yeah. going to say, well, yeah. come on. what uh, Shoulder, shoulder strength. <laughs> How many times yeah. I got to do that? Once? Fail
2: set.
1: Yeah. Once every day. Oh, yeah, like twice a week. Twice a week, go play around on a playground, go play <laughs> around on a boulder wall, go play around at the, the rock climbing gym, whatever it is. Um, Yeah, like that's that's one of these big reasons uh, we're seeing so many shoulder issues. Like, yes, techniques is a big thing, but also like they, they just need to have, like our shoulders are evolved to to hang, swing, and climb. Like that's one of the things that humans evolved to do. And now we just don't do that in our daily lives. We don't typically do that in the gym ever. Um, so we have our shoulders devolve and we no longer have like these evolutionary based shoulders. We have these shoulders that are like when we were walking on all, all fours or when we were more aquatic based or whatever it was. And we get lots of problems from there. So as a very simple tip. For you and all those things out there, like go hang, climb, swing for a tree branch or a playground, whatever it is, and do some of that. So,
0: if you see out there any listeners, any anyone else out on the playground swinging on the monkey bars, you'll know they're a sharp cuts listener. And I mean, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And, and thanks for being here, Nick. We appreciate it. We got to shut it down because we're well over the. This is a long episode. I mean, it's good stuff, though. So, I usually ask everybody at the end, you know, what they thought, how they thought the episode went.
1: Yeah. I loved it. It was fun. Uh, Garrett, I, I, I haven't talked to you in a long time, and it, it's pretty cool to reconnect and to see your energy in this, and yeah, that was fun.
0: Awesome. Well, we we're happy to have you, man, and maybe we'll have to have you back. And what we'll, you know what we'll have to do, Josh, is we'll have to pair Nick with somebody who's like really either has a terrible shoulder and needs the help, or who's so against it, like worse than me, <laughs> and is like- Worse than you it's going to be tough to find. I got to be honest. And Nick, but Nick convinced me. So we got to see if if we can repeat, but, um, thanks for coming on the show, Nick. Great to have you. Um, Thank thank you all for listening so much and that'll do it for this one. We will see you next time.